to Faith Talk with Anita. Thank you for joining me on the journey. Happy Easter. Yes, we are still celebrating Easter. The Feast of Easter is way too big for just one day or even one week. So the church gives us 50 days to celebrate and live into the resurrection. Our Easter season will end with the Feast of Pentecost, which in 2023 will be May 28th. Today, I want to focus on one of the post-resurrection stories in John's Gospel, which will be our Gospel reading for the second Sunday of Easter. It's the story of our good old friend, Doubting Thomas. The Gospels are primarily comprised of stories of Jesus' ministry, encounters he had with various people, his teachings, and miracles. But these post-resurrection stories, though few, are vital for us to reflect on because they're what made Christianity in the first place. It was precisely these post-resurrection experiences that spurred the disciples to share Christ risen with others. Mary Magdalene's jubilant declaration, I have seen the Lord, was the big story of the day. Think about it. Without the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to the disciples, He would have been known as just another man who lived and died. An amazing man, to be sure, who did incredible things, yes, but still, just a man who was born, lived his life, and died like every other human in history. His post-resurrection appearances are what made all the difference. The fact that the followers of Jesus witnessed him alive after his death is what made others pay attention and want to know more. Once people believed that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead, they started asking questions about who he was and what he had done. Tell us more. Who was this man, Jesus? So the disciples began to share stories of his ministry, the things he said and did. And finally, the question of his origin started to pop up. His birth story was the last story about Jesus to be told. So, although we tend to look at Jesus' life in chronological order, from his birth to his death and resurrection, the very early Christians heard it backwards, starting with the most important event, his death and resurrection, then his ministry, and finally his birth. That's why Easter is our greatest feast day. It's what made Christianity. Jesus' resurrection is our founding event. And his post-resurrection appearances are our starting point. 
officially, the church recognizes Pentecost as the birthday of the church. But I think it's important to remember that the post-resurrection appearances are really what started it all. Now, all four Gospels give us some account of the risen Christ. Mark, the first Gospel to be written, gives us just a glimpse of the post-resurrection witness stories. He keeps things short and sweet. Similarly, Matthew's post-resurrection account is fairly short, but he adds the story of the Great Commissioning, when Jesus gathered the eleven disciples on the mountain and sent them out to preach the gospel throughout the world. Luke gives us one of my favorite scripture stories, the appearance on the road to Emmaus. I did a faith talk on this story last year. You can find it in my YouTube video library, episode 11, Were Not Our Hearts Burning Within Us? I'll put that link in the details for you. The Road to Emmaus will be the gospel reading for the third Sunday of Easter. John, the last gospel written, gives us four major post-resurrection witness accounts. John tells us of the appearance to Mary Magdalene, the appearance to the seven disciples on the shore of the lake, the story of Jesus and Peter, and the appearance to Thomas, which is the story I'm focusing on today. As I said earlier, this will be the gospel reading for the second Sunday of Easter. Let me read it to you, and then I'll share my thoughts. It's a bit long, so stay with me. Try to imagine you're there. Picture all the details in your mind. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, 
peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. There's a lot to unpack in this story. I'll touch on just the most important details as I see them. Jesus appears to his disciples on the day of the resurrection. The last few days had been quite overwhelming for them, to say the least. Seeing him suffer and die, laying his lifeless body in the tomb, and then taking in the news that he was alive again. That's a lot to absorb. I can imagine that they were in shock, trying to make sense of it all. Their minds were probably filled with uncertainty and fear, confusion, and oodles of questions. They had already seen the empty tomb, and they had heard Mary Magdalene's account of her encounter with Jesus. So clearly, there was a lot on their minds. We're told that they were hiding in a locked room for fear of being arrested and killed. Surely, if they were known to be Jesus' followers, they might be in danger of the same treatment he received. And we can imagine both the Jewish and Roman officials probably wanted the whole Jesus issue behind them. So the disciples' fear was reasonable, to be sure. Now, an important detail to clarify here. When John tells us they were hiding for fear of the Jews, he means the Jewish officials, not all Jews. Because remember, Jesus and his disciples were Jewish. So it's the Jewish officials, those with power and authority, that they were hiding from, not the general Jewish population. We are told that despite the locked doors, Jesus came and stood in their midst. They certainly didn't see that coming. To say they were shocked is an understatement, don't you think? And Jesus must have known they would panic because he immediately put them at ease by offering them peace and showing them proof that it was indeed him standing before them. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. I'm not going to spend time on this part of the story except to say this. The Catholic Church points to this statement as a foundation for the sacrament of reconciliation or confession. I'll do an entire faith talk on this in the future, so stay tuned for that. Now back to our story. 
We're told that Thomas, one of the twelve, was not there that day. Poor Thomas. He missed all the excitement. Jesus' grand entrance. Later, when he rejoins the group, they tell him they have seen the Lord. And he says, no way. I don't believe a word of what you're saying. Of course, their story would have sounded ludicrous to someone who wasn't there to witness it. So Thomas continues to declare his disbelief. He says, I will never believe until I see it with my own eyes. With these words, Thomas demonstrates typical human doubt and skepticism, similar to what is rampant in our society today. We live in a scientific world, which is great. And we don't want to believe anything unless we have physical, scientific proof of its existence. How many people do you know who don't believe in God because they have never seen God? How many people won't believe until they have scientific proof direct from the laboratory? How many atheists use this lack of physical proof for their argument that God must not exist? This is the topic of my very first Faith Talk video on YouTube, Let There Be Light, God and the Big Bang. I'll give you the link for that video as well. Modern humans have a tendency to doubt. So Thomas is no different from any of the rest of us. John tells us that a week later, Thomas was with them. And once again, despite the locked doors, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Again, he offered them peace because surely they still needed it. At this point, Jesus turns his attention to our beloved doubting Thomas. He says to him, put your finger here and see my hands and bring your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believe. When I read this, I don't hear anger or frustration in Jesus's voice. It seems to me that Jesus calmly and simply offers Thomas the proof he needs. Here, Thomas, touch and see. Jesus didn't reprimand him for his disbelief. He didn't yell at him. He just said, Here's the proof you need. And Thomas, duly satisfied, responds with his great statement of faith, My Lord and my God. Jesus offers the same gentle love to us when we doubt. And to be sure, we have our moments of doubt, uncertainty, and even outright disbelief. More than likely, we have all been Thomas at one point or another in our lives. I know I have. But Jesus simply and lovingly offers us an opportunity to know him in our own way and our own time. No anger, 
no frustration, no reprimand. One important note to add here is that despite Thomas's doubt and unbelief, he still rejoins his faith community. He doesn't just say, I don't believe, so I'm done, or I don't want to be a part of this community anymore because I don't believe the same as you do. No, he stayed with them. When we are doubting our faith, experiencing a dark night of the soul, as some call it, it is very important that we don't try to go it alone. It is precisely at those times that we need our faith community the most. If you ever experience doubt or outright unbelief, I encourage you to stay involved with your church. Don't give up on God just because you're having doubts. It's then that you need to let God in all the more. And your faith community can help you with that. Now, we come to Jesus's final message to Thomas. It's this last statement that brings us fully into the story. He asks him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Thomas was one of the lucky ones. He had the opportunity to see for himself, to touch the wounds, to verify with his own eyes. He didn't need faith at this point because he had the physical proof that he needed. But you and I believe on the witness of others. We weren't in that room with Jesus. We couldn't see him, hear him, or touch him. But he assures all of us who came after that we, who must rely on the witness of others, are blessed. We have not seen, but we believe. I really love this story of Doubting Thomas. We recognize him. He's one of us, a regular, imperfect guy. And Jesus loves him. We can take great comfort from Thomas's experience. Just like Thomas, we can take our unbelief, our skepticism, our doubts to Jesus. It's okay. Jesus simply offers us peace in our unbelief. He offers us love in our doubt. He knows we need to come to faith in our own way, in our own time, if it is to be genuine and long-lasting. Jesus is patient, to be sure, and that's a good thing. During these next few days and weeks, as we continue to live into the joy of the resurrection, I encourage you to sit with Thomas, 
Walk in his shoes. Acknowledge your doubt, your need for proof. Ask for help, and then trust that the risen Christ will offer you peace and a path to a deeper faith so that you can truly proclaim with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of faith. When we question our faith, help us find truth. When we doubt, help us believe. During this Easter season, give us peace. God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Amen. I hope this faith talk was helpful for you. Please share it with others and join me for my next faith talk. I pray that you will have a peaceful and faith-filled Easter season. May God bless you.